probably figured out by now, but 90% of the sports talk in this city, at least, seems to focus on gambling and odds and stuff like that. And I'm hoping all of you out there who are experts in this are backing up your picks with actual money. Because <laughs> you're going to be giving me advice. I'd like to know that you got some skin in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, Don't be giving me advice and be that guy that drops 10 bucks in a game. Ah, just... Yeah. Anyhow, the reason I bring that up, Kevin Barker, here are the current AL Cy Young odds. <laughs> Shane Bieber plus 700. Justin Verlander plus 700. Garrett Cole plus 750. Dylan Cease plus 1,000. Alec Manoa plus 1,000. Gossman 1,100. Jordan Romano 1,200. Shohei Otani 1,200. Is Alec Manoa that good? He has to start the season so far. Uh, the uh, We talked about this after the game yesterday, <clears throat> and I had mentioned what I had been seeing. And, and if I were trying to hit off him, how you make adjustments and how you game plan against him, and what I've noticed his last two starts is how much better his fastball command's gotten. We can talk about all the intangibles and the way he's reading bats and the adjustments he's made with his glove hand. It's a little bit longer and more direct, and, and his follow-through is a little bit better, and you can tell he is a, a quick learner on the field when it comes to, you steal a base off me. The next time somebody that gets on base is fast, I'm going to hold that runner on better because I'm a quick learner. Little things like that, everything that it takes to be a big league pitcher, and on top of it now, He's got the fastball command that he's got, and he adds that deception that he's always had since he's been in the big leagues. Uh, yeah, I, I really do think that he takes it to a whole different level with everything that it takes. And, oh, by the way, he sort of beats the guy on the on-deck circle. Jeff, if you've noticed, whenever the guy is standing over there and just everything, his demeanor, his the way he walks around the mound, the way he rubs up the ball, uh, the way he attacks the best hitter on their team. You saw the 3-1 pitch to Devers yesterday when he threw him a fastball and a fastball count. And Devers looked out there at him like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's 2020. Nobody throws fastballs and fastball counts. And what's he do the very next pitch, 3-2? He throws him another one. So, yeah, it's playing those little games that you have to play to be a next-level pitcher. Four starts in, i got to be honest, Jeff. I have pushed every chip that I have into the center of the table with Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa is now 4-0 through seven shutout innings yesterday. Three hits and a walk. Struck out seven. The Jays won ho-hum, one nothing. another one-run <laughs> game. They're now 7-2 and two in one-run games, which is a good thing to be considering the fact that Major League Baseball apparently doesn't like offense anymore. Uh, it was the Jays' second shutout of the year. For Alec Manoa, he's gone six innings plus in each of his four starts. He's given up no more than two earned runs. In an inning. His ZRA is 144. He's got 152 strikeouts in his first 24 games. That's the most by any player in franchise history. I We talked about this before or after his last start. Pitching wins don't matter anymore. Team wins do. The Jays are 20-4 and four when he starts. They've won his last 12 starts. That's the second longest streak in team history with Jimmy Key, Jay Happ. It's two back of Roy Halladay. Kevin, he's personally picked up the win. Again, pitching wins don't matter, but they tell you something. They tell you something given the way the game is played right now, I think. He's picked up the win in eight starts, eight straight 
starts, tying Roger Clemens for the second longest streak in franchise history. Roy Halladay won 11 consecutive starts in 2003. He good. He he <laughs> he really really good. He, he, he makes everybody else around him better, and that includes the coaching staff. Right, right now, if you're Charlie Montoya, you're going, okay, Alec Manoa's pitching. When is he pitching? Petey. Oh, uh, yeah, to two days from now. So I'm going to use my bullpen accordingly because when he starts, I know right now because of how hot he is and the adjustments he's making. And even if he doesn't have his sinker or he doesn't want to throw it because the other team is not uh, hitting his fastball, so I'm just going to eliminate that because – that's a couple of miles an hour slower, and I'm just not going to give him a chance. So I'm going to throw something else because I'm that advanced at reading bats and self-correcting and doing all those things. So if you're Charlie, you're going, okay, now I can use this guy a couple of days in a row because when this guy starts, I don't have to use as many guys out of the bullpen. He's making everybody else around him that much better. And, and again, I know it's it's very hard this short, this short in his career to push your chips in the middle of the table like I have, but – I, I'm I'm the last guy that's going to tell you that I can't wait to the, to the next guy next time a guy starts because they used to try and take money off my off my table or off food off my table or take money out of my pocket they tried to get me out and I don't like take pitchers. food off your pocket take food out of your pocket there it is I know. there it is so it's very hard for me to to admit that I'm excited about watching a guy pitch the next time but I got to be honest with you he's must watch everything that he does the way he acts the way he talks the way he acts to his catcher yesterday when he threw the 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 strike two pitch to Shaw and he it's looked changing. into Kirk and and punched his chest like and you're thinking I'm going to give him my best hardest fastball that I could never give him then he throws him a changeup it's like I just it's just impossible not to get excited about that and have so much fun with it and and he's he is polarizing like you just can't wait to watch him pitch again and it's it's pretty cool it's pretty cool coming from where he's come from and the school he went to and and he sort of came out of nowhere he couldn't really expect that i remember watching him in spring training when he's dominating the yankees but it's spring training and then he actually gets up here and he dominates everybody it's it's much watched and it's pretty cool to to every day you know think about when's when's alec manoa throwing it's kind of cool. you know it's it's I mean, I was trying to think of the last time the Jays had a homegrown pitcher come up and make an instant impact. And Marcus Stroman's a guy, but I mean, Marcus Stroman was a little different because there was a stop and start aspect of his career because of the injuries. You know, I look back at 2015, Roberto Osuna made the team out of spring training. No one knew anything about Roberto Osuna going into spring training. He made the team out of spring training, closes out a game at Yankee Stadium, becomes the team's closer. The team goes to the postseason with a rookie basically leading the bullpen. That's kind of the last time I think we've seen a guy, a young guy, come up and contribute immediately. Contribute immediately to a contending team. A big difference than coming up and contributing to a team that's kind of 500 or, you know, a good team but not a great team. No, no, no. This guy came up, contributed last year when they missed the playoffs by a game, and is contributing this year. And tonight, the Astros are in town for the first of a three-game series. You say Kikuchi's on the mound. We know what you say Kikuchi's been like this year. One step forward, one step back. Maybe he takes a step forward tonight, but if you're the Blue Jays, you've these 
This run of 20 games against the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Astros, I talked about this yesterday. By and large, you're starting pitching. Even Kikuchi in one start. Your starting pitching has put you in the position where you have been able to use your bullpen the way you want to use it, not only in that game, but in the next game. And it hasn't always worked out, but as as we talked about yesterday on Blue Jays Talk, if you look at even the games the Jays have lost in this run, Kevin, and you say, okay, what bullpen decision came back to bite them? There's maybe that one, the Trent Thornton decision a couple of nights ago, and we we, we talked about that. So this is why what Alec Manoa and Kevin Gossman and, and Jose Barrios have done. It's why it's so important because it has allowed the Blue Jays over an extended period of time to use the bullpen the way they want to use it. It's not always going to work out because sometimes major league hitters are going to hit your best stuff. But, man, it's you – know, I, I went back and looked at my scorebook. Going back to the first game of the Yankee series, Kevin, it is remarkable how – these games have gone to script for the most part, if you were the Blue Jays. Without Teo, without Danny Jansen, I mean, it really is something. It, it, it hides who you don't have on the, on the, in the lineup. Exactly. It, hide, it hides uh, your woes. They're, they've been atrocious with runners in scoring position. You, you said it last night after the game. They're 28th. Only the O's and the D-backs, two worst teams in baseball, uh, are, are worse in, with runners in scoring position than the Blue Jays. That's what starting pitching does. That's what great starting pitching does. It hides things that other parts of the game's not catching up quite yet. And you can make up for it a little bit by having the great starting pitching, keeping the other team from scoring runs. And, and you know, it's – I'm with you. I, it just just to see and watch the adjustments they make from start to start, the, the, the little tweaks they make. The Alec Manoa moving on the rubber, uh, you know, it's more from the third base side or the middle of the rubber to the first base side just to make his target bigger. Sounds so simple. It sounds like, wow, why didn't he do that before? It, it sounds so simple of an easy move. It's not. I mean, he, he's been used to obviously throwing where he was throwing and to ask him to move over there to make it a little easier to go away with his fastball to a, to a lefty, away to a righty with his fastball, opens up everything that way because of his arm slot would make the ball start in the strike zone and there are not so many non-competitive pitches just because of that one little move of moving a little bit to, to closer to the first base side of the rubber. It's you know you, you you they got a little bit for everybody. Kevin Gosman's got the the split finger, the best pitch in baseball in my mind. We all know what Manoa does. Barrio spins it better than most people. If you can figure out who you say Kikuchi is, for me that's a mental thing. That has nothing to do with stuff. He's got mm-hmm. the stuff. I mean, when he's throwing it and throwing it with conviction and saying, here it is, see if you can hit it, he's got really, really good stuff. It's just that getting in past, okay, I've faced this team a bunch. They know what, who I am. I remember how I got this guy out. I'm going to continue to throw that 15 billion times to the nine-hole hitter. No, no. Let's not do that. Trust your stuff. If they can get him to trusting things and throw him conviction, now all of a sudden you got – Four guys who are all different who can match up to the best lineups in baseball. Now you're cooking with gravy, Jeff. I still don't get the cooking with gravy thing. I'm really, really concerned about the your nutrition if you're cooking with gravy. I did it when I was young. You can eat anything when you're young. Yeah, this is true. So the Jays are 13-7. and seven. 
they will start a three-game series against the Astros tonight. Jose Urquidy on the mound for the Astros. You say Kikuchi on the mound for the Blue Jays. We will, of course, have to wait until game time to see whether or not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is back in the lineup. He missed yesterday's game. He was available to pinch hit. He missed yesterday's game uh, with that, uh, that, that contusion on his back foot that he suffered fouling off a pitch on Wednesday night. Um, he certainly appeared to be moving around the dugout without any issue. We know x-rays were negative. Kevin, in his absence... You know, the Jays won a game last night because, or yesterday, I should say, because Alejandro Kirk, I mean, just doesn't know how to strike out or swing and miss. Uh, they got good pitching, but, you know, it was one hit was enough against the Red Sox team that didn't hit a home run in four games. And, boy, if you're looking, we're going to be joined by Sean Casey of uh, MLB Network. We're going to be joined by Jeff Blum. Astros analyst. We're going to be joined by Travis Sochik of The Score, who did a terrific breakdown of what has happened to the offense in baseball. Kevin, if you want to look at what has happened to the offense in baseball, watching the Boston Red Sox at the Rogers Center. I I mean, that baseball people are conspiracy theorists at heart, especially early in the year. Mm -hmm. Everybody's looking for a trend, and it's dangerous to do with small sample sizes. But, Kevin, I saw some Red Sox hacks. Like, I've been to games at the Rogers Center a lot. I saw some I saw some balls hit that are gone that were gone last year. I'm convinced we would have had I'm convinced this year we saw there were four or five hits in that series that would have been out of the park last year. Would have been home runs that just died on the warning track this year. So again, that you know, winning one run games as the Blue Jays are doing is a good thing right now cuz ain't a lot of offense in baseball. I find it hard to believe that Major League Baseball didn't do that whatever they did to the baseball on purpose. Uh, how, how if you're an $11, million, or $11 billion business that you don't check baseballs before the season starts? You're telling me one bad batch of baseballs has turned into hitters scratching their heads when I hit the same exact ball in batting practice with balls that were used last year, and they go, you know, to the, the second and third deck, and now I'm hitting that same exact ball, the same velocity, the same exit velocity like I just mentioned, and, and they're going to the warning track. Yeah, there's something has to be done with that. It's, it's, it's not fair to a hitter. Hitting's hard enough as it is with the velocity and the shifts and how much they're using breaking balls. Now you've done something to the baseball. It's not well, right. Major League no, Baseball needs is, to fix it. Yeah, the problem is that uh, – you know, I get the thinking behind wanting to change the way offense happens in baseball. I look, I've never been one of those people who doesn't like home runs, but I will buy into the idea that we are trying to create more in-game action. But here's the thing, and maybe this is we'll talk to Travis, we'll talk to Sean about this. Here's the thing. What I'm seeing right now is a different baseball. I'm seeing guys taking the same approach they've always had. I'm seeing teams play four-man outfield. In addition to the to the offensive shift, they're playing four-man. They're playing the four-man outfield. Or I'm sorry. In, ad, in addition to the defense of the infield shift, they're playing the four-man outfield. And what's happening now is hitters haven't adjusted. They're still thinking about elevation. They're still thinking about exit velocity, all that stuff. Those balls are just dying, though. More often than not, they're hitting someone's glove. 
Um, the only way this quote-unquote dead ball works is if hitters stop trying to launch the ball and try to put, put the ball in play, try to hit line drives. And I, I have no problem. I, I, I understand the general thesis of trying to do things that will create more action during the game. Like I like the pitch clock. I like pitch com. I, I like all that stuff. But I, maybe this is just kind of a growing pain period. I, I got to tell you, man, the game's ugly right now. And I, I mean, I watched I, and I wanted to make sure it wasn't just that I wasn't just watching the Jays, right, with their good pitching and the Red Sox who can't can't hit worth a lick right now. No, it's like that everywhere, man. It's like that everywhere. You know, you saw you saw a walk off last night by Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon said last year the ball's twenty rows in the stands. This year it like creeps over the wall and goes one row into the stands. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't understand. I, I don't. I don't understand why you would even try to deaden the baseball. Make the baseball normal. M- make the the. But what Kevin, you saw, you know the problem is that we don't know what normal is because they. They've dicked around with the baseball for so many years <laughs> that nobody knows. I swear to God, what is a normal baseball? Like, they spent so many years pissing around with it. Now they got it in humidors. They're taking, you know, they're, they're not allowing the pitchers to get grip. I mean, I don't want to go on a tangent because I don't want to focus on the Blue Jays here. But, Jesus, settle on one thing. And, and you know what? Be open about it. Be open about it. Tell people this is the ball. This is what it's about. But you mentioned this point. Why the hell are we using balls from last year in batting practice? If the ball this year is different? I mean, it's... Anyhow, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Sean and to, to Travis Sawchuk about that. And um, it's just... I, I, I just... This series just brought it home because of the fact that I failed to believe the Red Sox have suddenly have suddenly become a putrid offensive team. And I saw too many guys, Kevin, I saw, not just Red Sox. I saw Bo Bichette smoke two balls. And I know Bo enough, and you know Bo enough to read Bo's body language now. I know when Bo thinks he's got a hold of one. And he thought he got a hold of two in this series. And they just... Sure, it can't, it can't be uh, an exciting thing to walk to the plate when you're struggling the Especially way Bo's been scuffling. struggling. Oh, there you go. When people are struggling the way they are and you, you put all that work off the field and you think you figured some things out and you go up and you square up a baseball and the same ball that you've been hitting in batting practice, it went where it went and then it's not going where it's supposed to go in the game. Yeah, it's very frustrating because now what you're thinking is, okay, well, now I have to change something else. And when you're trying to change on the fly that much like these guys are doing to try and get it going quicker, it's impossible. And then now you're trying to hit hit it where they ain't and, and try and catch up the velocity and lay off the breaking ball, which they're abusing. Pitches are abusing the breaking ball, the slider, the curveball, all the things that break in any sort of counts. It's almost impossible to have a consistent approach at the plate. It's I, it's rare that I come on here and, and feel sorry and, and make excuses, but it's a little ridiculous when you come to watch as much baseball as I watch, watch as many games as I watch, and see the same thing over and over and over again. Guys running around first base, and, and you can see it just the, the crouching over and the shaking of the head and the rolling of the eyes and throwing their helmet, ripping their batting gloves off and throwing that in the stands. It, enough's enough. F- figure it out, Major League Baseball. 
and I, and I'll tell you what I, I'll I'll tell you what I will say this right now because you know we've had poked a little bit of fun in the past few shows at at the New York Mets and how they've been hit by so many pitches and how it's probably Buck Showalter's fault because he is the baseball <laughs> devil. But all kidding aside, all, all kidding aside, if offense continues to stink, and I mean you're going to see more hitters. You know, if you're a hitter, bad enough that I can't get a hit, but now I got some Egypt throwing 100 miles an hour at my noggin. You're going to see, I swear to God, you're going to see more of this stuff. You're going to see more of this stuff where guys are going to take offense. I, I, sometimes in professional sports, you bring rules in and they have unintended consequences. You look at hockey, doing away with the red line. Everybody thought, oh, that's great. It's going to open up the game game was boring i mean everybody thought oh the trap is awful let's let's take away the red line well yeah but the trap was developed in europe the trap was developed to take advantage of that so the neutral zone trap i should i just you got to be careful when you make rules changes you got to be careful you 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 take certain aspects out of the game out in in a lot of sports when you do it and this may be one of those things you say kikuchi by the way he has made 73 major league starts in his career, Kevin. 12 have come against the Astros. He's 1-5 against them. He's got an ERA of 593. Was not good in the last start against the Astros. He's starting against Houston again. Now, understand the Jays don't have Hyunjin Ryu. They're, they're limited in what they can do. They're limited in how they can futz around with the, with the rotation right now. But what has he got to do tonight? What what do you want to see? I mean, he can't reinvent himself. This is sure he can. You know, he's, he he faced well. Hang on, he faced the Astros. They beat him when he was good. They beat him when he was bad last year. What do you do in that situation? I, well, whenever I was listening to you read those stats off, and I'm thinking to myself, I know how Pete Walker is in the conversation. How it went the first time that he was trying to help. You say make some changes and, you know, we want you to throw more four seamers because it's a really good pitch. Your cutter's not. It's a BP heater when it's down the middle and it's not located and doesn't have late bite to it or it's not backdooring to certain hitters. It's not a good pitch. Throw more of this pitch. It was more of, here, maybe you should try this. And I know how the conversation's with this time. And just by reading those stats off, that's all you got to do. You didn't have to really do anything else to talk him out of doing something other than, okay, that whatever you were trying before ain't working. Those stats right there will tell you that's real simple. So let's try something new. The first thing for me is simplify it. Don't you know, pick two or three of your best pitches and try and master those. Don't don't use four or five. Sometimes you watch starting pitchers and they overthink themselves. Jimmy Garcia is one of those guys. Got five pitches. Why you got five pitches? You're a bullpen guy. Locate two or three of your best ones. You can get lefties and righties out with both of them because you do it with conviction and you're good at locating them. Do do that. Sometimes you can overthink it because you got too many. You say he's one of those guys for me who has too many pitches. I the split change and the slow breaking ball and the hard slider and and the backdoor cutter and I'm gonna live and die by that. No. Well, by the way, I can throw 99 miles an hour, but I never throw it. Get back to just simplifying it. They've moved him on the rubber a little bit. You're, you're, it's not giant changes. It's just we're going to simplify it at 
This is your three pitches. We're going to use that. We're going to work on sequencing, but we're going to master where we throw it and how much we throw it. And that's it. If you can do that, because you have really good stuff, you're left-handed, you throw that hard, that's odd. There's not too many of you. Let's use that to your advantage, and now let's just master location and pitch ahead. That's the most important part for him is to pitch ahead. And I think if he does that, because we've seen it. In Fenway Park, it's hard to go in there and live and die by one pitch that you don't like throwing all the time. And he did it, and you saw how it looked. So that should give him enough confidence to go, if I'm Pete Walker, you did this in Fenway Park, you did this in Houston, which one did you like more? The answer for me is real simple. Sean Casey is host of the Mayor's Office, and he's also an MLB Network analyst. You can listen to the Mayor's Office on Apple and Spotify. You can check it out on YouTube, and you can check out Sean Casey next right here on Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, on 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, you can subscribe to Blair and Barker wherever you get your favorite podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe. A reminder that Kevin and myself will be on following tonight's game against the Astros for Blue Jays Talk. Monday, we will return to television on Sportsnet 360, as well as Sportsnet 590, The Fan. And speaking of podcasts... You can listen to The Mayor's Office on Apple and Spotify. You can check it out on YouTube as well. The host of The Mayor's Office is the mayor. He is Sean Casey, and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Mr. Casey, as always, we appreciate your time, and we look forward to your insight. What's up, fellas? How are you guys doing? <laughs> hey, we're doing, we're doing well. Um, we're doing well. I, you know, the, listen... Well, I want to play a clip before we get started. I want to play a clip for you and Kevin from Andrew McCutcheon yesterday. It was his walk-off interview after the Brewers beat uh, the Pirates. And McCutcheon had a first-inning home run. I think it was off Jose Quintana. And he was asked after the game about the home run. And, and Case, you'll see where we're going with this. Lance, play the clip, please. Okay. Coach, you've spoken a lot about having an aggressive approach, and that showed up for you. Pitch one for that leadoff homer. How has that aggressive mindset led to the results that you've been getting lately? First off, that ball barely got out. <laughs> Man, I don't know what's up with these balls, but I thought I got it right off the bat. But then I was I was praying the last uh, few feet. Yeah, Case, there's a lot of that in baseball. There's a lot of guys praying. Um, the Red Sox, I mean, the Red Sox are they've. The Red Sox are praying. They they played a four game series at the Rogers Center case. They didn't hit a home run. What the hell's going on? Wow. Well, that you know what I haven't really even thought about that. But you're, you're that's crazy. You're right. The Red Sox playing a four game series out there in Toronto and not homering. That's that's maybe that's really good. Maybe the Blue Jays have really really good pitching. <laughs> are you buying the dead ball? I don't know. Gosh, I, I I don't not not yet. I'm not, but I guess if we continue to see, you know, like Cutch saying that ball just got out because he did. If you go back and look at that game, he did hit that ball well and it got out by like an inch. 
that's the story of Barker's career right there. When Barker's like, get out of here, you know, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Barker oh. didn't pray hard enough. Is that what you're saying? Barker didn't pray hard enough, or he was praying to the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I don't know who he was praying to, but Barker's like, get up, get out of here. And the guy's right at the fence, like, I got this one, you know? Yeah, they were using dead. I, I was the only one that they threw dead balls to. That, that's what you're trying to say, Casey? <laughs> they, had those special, they had those special Barker balls that they only brought out for Barker. Oh, yeah, the, man. The umpires, the umpires would throw the balls out like, hey, Barker's up. Bring in the six balls. We need the dead ones. Bring in the dead ones. Oh, you're funny. You're funny. Hey, hey, I got. I do have a. I do have a serious question though. The, 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 the offense is down throughout the entire league, and and you know every time that is because of the really good teams. You like the Blue Jays. Blue Jays are hitting like, you know, not, not the greatest right now. And we're trying. You you always try and poke and try and figure out why that is. Throughout the entire league, do you have any reasons? Do you think it's just the pitching is that more advanced, or do you think it's something else? Maybe. Oh, that's a great question, Bark. I mean, you know what? It's it's frustrating to see. Like, I think it's a combination of things. I think the pitching's better. You know, I think guys are throwing harder. There's no doubt about that. But I also think, I just think that uh, maybe the, the the approach to hitting is different than it used to be. You know what I mean? I think guys are, you know, looking to drive the ball on three pitches, maybe instead of like fighting with two strikes, or you know, guys are looking to get the ball in the air more than they are on the ground. So you know it's easier to catch a fly ball than it is a ground ball. I mean, there's just, there's so many reasons it could be because I think that's the approach nowadays is, you know, get the ball in the air. Um, but I, I don't know, Mark, it's, you know, it, it's, it's not great for baseball that, you know, because offense is the reason you go watch the games. I mean, great pitching is only fun for so long. You know? Okay, you, you mentioned approaches, and we have a new third baseman here in Toronto land, and he's pretty good defensively, Matt Chapman. But offensively, early on at least, uh, you know, he's, ha- he's had some struggles. And, and the one thing that you're seeing that they're trying to do against him is they're throwing him a bunch of breaking balls. He, the first two at-bats yesterday, he saw six pitches, saw six sliders. He struck out in both wow. at-bats. And he is a pull hitter. You know, Matt Chapman is not a guy that's going to let the ball travel and flip that sucker to right center field. He's looking to get the head out. And, you know, he's basically an up-the-middle left-field line guy. And my question to you is, because you were a guy that, you know, could use the entire field, for a pull hitter who is getting about 40% breaking balls. Now, you know, our, our thing when we were coming up, and I know I've talked to you enough, is you hunt the hater, you adjust to the breaking stuff. But when you're getting this many breaking balls and you're a pull hitter, how hard is it to go up and make an adjustment to hit that ball hard somewhere, right? It's They're starting that middle away. It's ending up either on the black or down on the way. Sooner or later, he's going to have to put a good swing and hit one of those hard. How does a pull hitter make an adjustment good enough to try and do that? Well, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing. I mean, a, a good slider, you know, with, with, a, with a pull hitter, especially righty on righty, you know, it's just a thing that visually leaves you fast, you know what I mean? And you, the more you see of them, you know, you know off the plate, that, that's tough to do. But I just feel like Matt Chapman is such a good player, man. He's such a he's such a professional, and you know, Bark. In this game, it's a game of adjustments. If the league's going to continue to adjust to you, you know, eventually a guy like Matt Chapman's going to figure out an approach. Like maybe he's going to have to learn to really drive the ball to, to right field or right center. Maybe that becomes part of his game. 
you know, at some point, because you can't just keep going up there and punching out on, you know, that's insanity, the definition of insanity, you know, doing something over and over and expecting a different result. I mean, at some point he's going to have to make that adjustment. I feel like Matt Chapman is one of the best players in baseball. I think he will make that adjustment, but you're right. I mean, you just, if you're going to get a steady diet of sliders or curveballs, you know, eventually you've got to be able to, uh, you know, hunt them and hit them. Case, uh, Bo Bichette, like a lot of a lot of hitters in baseball, is scuffling right now. But you know, we talked about guys who who hit balls hard and had nothing to see for it. Bo had a couple of hits in this series, the one that just died in the track. And, and as I said, Kevin and I know Bo enough, and Jay's fans know Bo enough, that you can read his body language. And you, you can tell when Bo thinks he got one and something happened and it didn't go out. How hard is it for... It, it, uh, I'll flip this on the other side. When when you have a good team, which the Jays are, and one of your key hitters is really having a difficult time, and this is a close team. Guys talk about it all the time, right? We know that he takes BP with Springer and Vladdy, extra BP, and they're always in his ear. How hard is it for a good team to, a team that's winning, to deal with the fact that one of its good players is scuffling? You know, how, how, I mean, how, do you, how do you deal with it? Well, I think one of the greatest things about the Blue Jays is they're so deep. I mean, that's the biggest thing about this club. When I go, you know, up and down that lineup and I'm like Springer, Bichette, Gurriel, you know, even Tapia coming in, uh, you know, Chapman. Uh, there's so many Guerrero. There's so many great hitters in that lineup. You can afford to have a guy or two, you know, scuff a little bit. And then you you got guys that are, you know, one swinging the bat away from changing the game. You know, listen, a guy like – I know for me as a hitter, I didn't start evaluating myself until 100 at-bats. I, I wouldn't even look at it. Like, I'm oh, okay, I'm hitting – even if other times when I came out struggling, I'm hitting a buck 70, buck 80. I'm like, oh, I'm only 70 at-bats in, 80 at-bats. I don't even look at it. It's not until 100 at-bats I evaluate myself. But okay, here we go. You saw Bo go the other way the other day and hit that grand slam. That's a great sign for him. I mean, he's a guy that drives the ball the other way. Some, you know, as one of the you know best hitters that, that can do that in baseball. So for me, I think of it the other way. I think, wow, Bo Bichette's about to get hot. We're 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 playing this well as a team, and we have a couple guys, especially a guy like Bichette or maybe a Chapman, that are great hitters. They're about to get hot. They're not the back of the baseball card doesn't lie. These guys, he's not going to hit two twelve. It just not happening. So he, you're you're about to see a three eighty stretch where with some damage numbers. That's how I looked at. That's at least that's how I looked at it as a hitter too. Like I'm about to get you. Like it, we might be the reporters and say, oh this he's really struggling. No no no. I think of it differently. I think Bo does too. I'm about to get hot. See, that's why you hit 300 in the league. You're always confident. I love it. That, I, I would have been just the opposite of that and been panicking and stealing, stealing other dudes' bats and, you know, turning around trying to hit right-handed. I'd have been doing all kinds of those things. It's, it's hilarious to listen to you talk. It's funny. I, I, do, I do have to ask you, the Blue Jays as a team are like 28th in baseball with hitting with runners in scoring position. And, and whenever I see that, a team struggling that much with a stat that, you know, they're expected to probably do a little bit better because they're such good hitters. And then you start thinking about approaches. You have different approaches depending on who's on base and where they're standing on the base to, to go up and try and attack and bat. This year, in 2022, if you were playing, Case, how would you approach with runners in scoring position because of the shift, because of how hard they throw, because how much they use the breaking ball? Is there a certain approach that you would think you would consistently try and use with runners in scoring position? 
question. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I, I was. I mean, thankfully, I, I I did hit pretty well with runners in scoring position, and I remember my, I remember Harvey Dorf and my mental, you know, the mental game of baseball. My my mental coach used to talk about, hey, listen, you have to be able to to have an approach, master your approach and your process, it, whether there's nobody on, nobody out in the first inning, or bases loaded, you know, two outs in the ninth of a of a four four game. You know, you got to be able to slow the game down, get a good pitch you can hit put a good swing on it where you can hit the ball hard somewhere. So I look at that like when I used to get in situations running a scoring position, I used to pretend, okay, slow down, get a good pitch you can hit, barrel it up and hit it hard somewhere. And after that, you know, I don't have any control over it. So that's the approach that you know, I think that I would have and wouldn't try to do anything differently. But, I, you know, and I also would think, too, with runners in scoring position, I put the onus back on the pitcher. Hey, brother. You're in a jam. You've got traffic on the bases. It's time for me to get you. My confidence is a little higher, you know, and I know they haven't hit well so far, but I bark. I just keep going back to they're 13 and seven. They could easily be yeah. 15 and five. Wait till these guys really get going, man. They're, they're, this team is legit. Uh, Case, I want to move away from the Blue Jays for a bit and talk about uh, one of your former teams. The Cincinnati Reds are three and sixteen. Um, you know, there's an awful lot. I mean, there's ownership has alienated the fans. There's a guy there in Joey Votto who we all know about his contractual situation. We also know though what he could bring to the table for a contending team. I know you know folks around there. What the hell is happening there? And what do you think? Like, what's going through Joey's mind right now? Because you know, two years ago. That was not a horrible team. I, I I understand there's things that go cyclical and teams decide to take a step back and rebuild. But Sean, I got to tell you, I didn't think that team needed to step back and rebuild. Yeah, Jeff, I I agree, man. Like a couple years ago, you were thinking to yourself, man, they're close. They're there. They're one you know, player you, away. Had, they were one player away, and and that rotation with Sonny Gray and Castillo, and even when Bauer was there, they had, they had some they had some legit arms. And, you know, they, they brought in Castellanos. They brought in Moustakas. Votto, Votto hit 36 home runs last year. You know, he started getting it going again. Uh, they got India, who's the rookie there. They had a lot of good pieces, and all of a sudden it was like, okay, let's get rid of Tucker Barnhart. Let's, let's move – let's not bring Castellanos back. Let's get rid of Sonny Gray. And it's just – it's another rebuild. You know, if I'm a guy like Votto at this stage of my career, although I do love Cincinnati to, to death, you do want to win. I mean, I, I, for me, I was lucky. I, I was in Cincinnati those eight years. I got traded, which was, you know, I, at the time I was devastated of that. But I ended up that year in the World Series with the Tigers, and I was like, oh, wait, this is what it feels like to really get to the World Series and, you know, get a chance to win. So if I'm a guy like Votto, he's had such a great run in Cincinnati. Man, it would be great for him to get to a contender at some point. There's no doubt about it. But I think the Reds are back in rebuilding mode and just trying to get some prospects for a lot of the guys they're trading. You can listen to the Mayor's Office on Apple and Spotify and check it out on YouTube as well. Sean, always good of you to join us, man. We appreciate your time. Thanks for putting up with Barker. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. I'll put up with Barker anytime. You guys Love you, well. brother. See you soon. Love you. All right, Love see you, Sean. Man. Take care. Sean Casey, MLB Network uh, Analyst, uh, host of the Mayor's Office. 
which you can check out on Apple and Spotify and on YouTube. And the guy who still told the best Barker story of all time about you showing up with a car that had first date on the license plate, which I will never, for, ever, ever. And which I will always be pissed off at you for not telling me about it. For, it took me five years to find out that you had a vanity plate. You had a Virginia, was it a Virginia plate? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. I the, wow. the very, I got a quick story about Sean Casey. The very first time I ever met him, I was in college. I played for the Hokies, Virginia Tech. He played for the Richmond Spiders. The very he was playing first base, and I think I hit a single or something, maybe a bloop single to left field, and I rounded first base, and he looked right at me and said, "Way to throw the frisbee and skip the rock." And I looked at him like <laughs> I looked at him like he had seven heads. I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> That's Casey, though. Casey is the greatest dude in the world. He's the greatest storyteller yeah, in the is. history of baseball. I I have sat with him, Jeff, and I swear I thought I was going to throw up laughing so hard at the stories that he would tell about Terry Francona, him being the manager, which I cannot tell on the air because they're yeah. sort of yeah, – they, yes. they got some words in it that you probably can't say on the radio. But yes. to listen to Case tell it, and, and as animated as he is and as serious as he gets when Terry Francona <laughs> is talking to him about certain things, it is – man, he is – he is one of, he's exactly why I love baseball is people like that just that they have so much love for baseball and and would just treat you like they've known you forever there's a reason why they call him the mayor yeah he uh knowing the guys who covered him in Cincinnati and Boston but more so more so in Cincinnati um I mean you can't find a you can't find a person who doesn't put him doesn't put him Especially for writers, you can't find a person that doesn't put them in their in their top three guys to cover. And you know, when you talk to beat guys, when you talk about guys who are good to cover, that doesn't mean a guy who's going to give you inside stuff and 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 rat out his teammates or rat out the manager. Uh, it means somebody you can go to for an honest answer to an honest question. Somebody who will tell you stuff that makes you smarter. Somebody that will tell you stuff that prevents you from asking stupid questions of his teammates. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Every clubhouse has that guy. Every reporter has that guy. And they are absolutely vital to doing your, your work. And for the writers in Cincinnati, he was one of those guys because he would just... And, and I know that you've been around him as a player. The other thing I've had people tell me about Sean and why he was such a good teammate is... Sean had a way of letting you know what you were doing wasn't right or making suggestions, but always coding it in kind of a funny story. So <laughs> you never came away saying, oh, that guy got in my grill. Nah, he didn't get in your grill. He did in a way, but he left you laughing, right? And when you came away from it, you you, you thought, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the guys basically just told me that I've, I've done something I shouldn't do, but just, he made me laugh doing just it. Just like he started the show with me saying I prayed all the time. <laughs> like, and we laughed about it. He, he basically busted on me, but it was the way he said it, we, we, we laughed about it. I, I love the answer he gave about the runners in scoring position. The only thing I could kept hearing when he was saying it was get a good pitch to hit, get a good pitch to hit. And if you watch the Blue Jays, whenever there's runners in scoring position, how many times do they expand at the plate. It, you know sometimes with big leaguers who are established, it ain't mechanics. Yeah, what It's I loved all about, about what you're swinging at. What I loved about watching Sean play, too, and watching Sean hit is for a big dude, he, he, had, it was almost a, he had almost a delicate touch with the bat. Like, for a big dude, he could do stuff. 
he could put the ball in play wherever he wanted. Um, and when he was on a roll, you know, I, he he was just a guy you didn't you didn't want to see coming up. I wanted to ask you about Matt Chapman because you brought it up. Uh, now, Matt Chapman, he had a double yesterday. He was one for four. Um, he's hitting two sixty seven. Uh, no, forget about that. That stat is that stat is wrong. But he was zero for eleven before the double yesterday. We talk about the Blue Jays' issues with running and scoring runners in scoring position, and a lot of that you can. I'm not going to say you can blame on Chapman and Bo, but they have come up in situations with men in base just because of the way the, the lineup is constructed, just because of the fact that Teoscar isn't in there. They've come up in a lot of those situations, and 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 their scuffles in that situation. It's kind of the reason, the underlying reason for the Jays' issues with running and score runners in scoring position. So. Talk to me about Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman's approach. Jeff, I got to ask uh, f- the first thing you got to ask yourself if you're a fan of the Blue Jays and you're a fan of Matt Chapman's is what's the expectations for him offensively? I- is it is it thirty homers? Is it ninety RBIs? Is it two fifty? What is it? What's 30, the expectation? For me, it's thirty homers and a bunch of doubles, and I don't give a rat's ass about the average. That's me. Okay, now remember, he's hit thirty home runs one time in his career. I know, what, what, but he time. hasn't been playing. He's been playing in Oakland. Now, okay, I was going to say he hasn't been playing in this park, but he also, when he was playing, he wasn't using these bowling balls. He wasn't facing bowling balls when he was hitting. But going into the year, I thought 30 bombs and a bunch of doubles. Now, I, I given given what we've seen from the ball this year, I, I mean, I'd have to adjust my sights. But what I would say, Kev, is... You know, if 20 is a new 30 in baseball because of the ball, then I'm looking for 20, 25 home runs and a ton of doubles, and I don't care about the average. Yeah, if, you get, if, you get, if he's getting somewhere around an OPS of a, of a right at about 800, the 30 and the 90 RBI is going to be tough to get. Those are guys that have to have an OPS of somewhere like the 830, 840, 850, 860. Do you really think that's Matt Chapman? I don't. I, I, sometimes I think we, we expectations for him because of the way he plays defense that we think he's supposed to be that good offensively. And that may be not be fair to him, but I will say what I've seen offensively from him. The very first thing that stands out to me, he stands really far off the plate. And, and he stands in the very back of the batter's box, which for a guy that stands that far away, that far back, if I'm a pitcher, I just look in at him and I'm thinking, okay, if I make this thing start outer third and dive off the plate, he there's no way he can have enough plate coverage to cover that. And if I can somewhat throw a close strike early in the count, he ain't going to swing at it. He's going to take that because that's a pitcher's pitch. And now I can make him expand. And because he's an aggressive hitter, he has that mindset now of being a Blue Jay. That's their way is they want to be aggressive first. They're not trying to walk. That, for me, is one of the things I think maybe you're going to start to see him try and do is maybe move a little bit bit more in the batter's box. And the other thing is uh, is he doesn't really have a trigger. Every good hitter has a trigger. Bo has the hand movement, the leg kick. That's his trigger. Vladdy has the gather. The hands will drop a little bit. He gets them back up. Teoscar has the little knee turn now. That's his trigger. Matt Chapman basically does nothing he stands there stationary he goes forward that for me wouldn't 
wouldn't you call that though a quiet approach, a quiet swing? And isn't that isn't that good? It's sort of the rubber band effect where you have to get something going back to to reach its fullest potential going forward. Hitting's no different. That's why you don't see when you try and start from a stationary position you play catch up a lot and you lose something and for me he loses a lot of his backside that's why you see the lazy pop-ups he gets because he's out in front his arms get so extended that his barrel he just don't have any whip to it he's he's lost all strength of the barrel and and the whip in in, in his barrel so you know it's again i just think you have to re- remind yourself what is the expectations offensively he is an unbelievable defender and I just don't think you can match the two up. So you got to be realistic of what your expectations are. And maybe the little adjustments he makes when everybody's back and healthy and, you know, maybe he won't be in so many positions of the runners in scoring position that he's in now, which would take a little bit of pressure off him. And he'll start catching fire a little bit because of what Casey said. He is a pull hitter. And he doesn't, like I mentioned he doesn't have a real trigger. He stands really far off the plate. Pitchers have made an adjustment by flipping it to him away. And to be quite frank, he doesn't have a two-strike approach. All those things together doesn't scream consistency for me at the plate. So, again, let's tone it down. For me, if he hits 25 and drives in somewhere around 80 ribbies, that's a really good year. Yeah, I uh, as I said, I I – I'm beginning to reevaluate my home run expectations for mm-hmm. for guys this year. Just if if this is if this is what we're going to see, and small sample size, and the weather hasn't heated up, I I get all that. You know, maybe the Rogers Center when the roof is open. I mean, but yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm turning my I'm dialing down my expectations for home runs with this team, and I'm looking at I'm really looking at doubles now. And I, you know, Cito Gaston used to say, you know how you know a good hitter at the end of the year, check the number of doubles he has. I would say this: pull power hitters. I don't think the ball is going to have a big issue with most okay. guys that pull the baseball have a lot of power. If the ball's it's dead, still they're still going to create it, right. It's the ball the other way. It's that right. ball that you you know you thought in batting practice like a Teoscar Hernandez hits the fifth deck in right center field in batting practice. Those are the guys, the guys that let the ball travel, who have power the other way, and have that with the dead in baseball. So basically, I, that's more who you're going to see it. You know, be having more issues with than the guys who who are dead pull hitters who you know use their legs a little bit better and so. Yeah. So that's great. You're basically penalizing guys who are doing what hitting coaches tell you to do, which is go the other way. There it is. Penal- you're basically penalizing them. That's great. A thousand percent. That 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 makes perfect sense. Uh, Travis Sacha is the senior MLB writer for the Score. He uh, done a terrific article on the impact of the deadened baseball, or actually more specifically, the suppressing of offense in baseball he's going to join us next you're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and wherever you get your favorite podcasts